This episode of Janky Town is sponsored by thiswebdeveloper.com, the people that brought you janky.town. So if you want to go check out that website, it's just a little glimpse of what this web developer can do for you. They build high-performing custom websites for a broad spectrum of products, services, and personal brands. They can take your current website from good to great. They'll show you how to improve your web presence and performance, or you could get a whole new website custom-built just for you. Go and request a free consultation. Go to thiswebdeveloper.com or give them a call at 858-345-6444, or you can email them at info at thiswebdeveloper.com. This web developer is led by an experienced developer with a network of niche experts to get your website looking great and working effectively for you. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking for either a brand new site or you want to take your website to the next level, visit thiswebdeveloper.com, 858-345-6444, or email them at info at thiswebdeveloper.com. Get your website right! What up, Janksters? This is DJ Omar Khan. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 18, where we feature the great Ralph Garman. Yes, this one was very special for all of us because till this day, when we recorded this episode, we have not spoken to Ralph in over two years because things were just a little weird uh, towards the end of his uh, stint at K-Rock and Kevin Bean show. So you hear a little bit about why it was weird, but man, it felt so good to catch up with Ralph and uh, kind of geek out on somebody who I've admired for so many years, and it was so good to reconnect with him. Uh, one really quick note that I wanted to mention about at the uh, one hour, one minute mark, there is a little bit of clicking and popping. Um, I don't know what happened to my computer. My computer just started going all wonky, but that does not last very long. It only lasts for about three minutes, so I just wanted to give you a quick heads up on that, and without further ado, let's check out Ralph Garman in Janky Town. Janky Town, Jay, hit the ground, Jay, we can get the janky poppin', that's a sound, Jay, Jay, we make your frown, Jay, go upside down, Jay, it's getting janky, we the greatest pound for pound, what up Muggs, Jay, what up Dave, Jay, what up O, Jay, what up James, what up Muggs, Jay, what up Dave, Jay, what up O, Jay, what up James, it's getting janky, it's getting janky, it's getting janky. I love it when we jank around. It's getting janky. It's getting janky. It's getting janky. I love it when we jank around. Janky! Town. How are you, dude? I am well. How are you, my brother? Uh, I'm excited, man. We have Ralph Garman on the show, guys. Yeah! What? Oh, there's a crowd. <laughs> wow. Please awesome. sit down. Please sit, everybody. Sit. It's so embarrassing. How you been, man? Dude, I, I miss you so been, much. I miss you guys too. I really do. I'm so glad we're doing this because I haven't had a chance to to catch up with any of you guys in a while, and I'm glad to finally be in Janky Town. Dude, we're so glad to on. have you, man. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I want to start things off with this phone call because um, I think this guy who is uh, part of the Garmy kind of got us together. So uh, let's uh, listen to this call. Jankytown, Jankster Steve in the LBC here. I'm also a four-star member of Ralph's Garmy. And uh, I just wanted to call and thank you guys for uh, having Ralph on. And i um, glad he reached out to you. I also wanted to go on record as being the one who suggested it to Ralph. He uh, does a, a monthly crowdcast, kind of an online happy hour, if you will, during the uh, pandemic. So we were, somebody get to come on screen and ask a question, and I 
had asked him if he had been in contact with you guys because I'd listened to the Janky Town podcast, of course, and said that, yeah, he, yeah, you guys talk about him all the time and always talk about him fondly and this and that because he said he was kind of a, afraid to reach out, didn't know if people what people thought of him, and he was kind of uh, hesitant. And um, I said, no, as you, they, they, all they wanted, they, they talk about you positively all the time, and, and you should uh, reach out. And right after that, he sent out that that tweet. So um, I'm so glad that you guys hooked up, and it's uh, really, really cool to uh, almost feel like it's even though it's three different podcasts, we get like the, the gang back together, so to speak. So really cool, and uh, thank you guys for doing your podcast. It's it's freaking awesome. Love hearing to you guys and uh, uh, listen to you guys, and uh, I like go on uh, walks and and uh, listen to you guys every week. So it's just uh, it's it's the best, and it means so much in such a crappy time. So. Anyway, fuck 2020, thank <laughs> God, and um, keep listening. Squish. Uh, squish. Uh, sir, you could uh, shorten God that message because that was very long. Talking, but talking, <laughs> talking. I'm glad to know he's taking walks. That was important <laughs> <Yeah>. to include. <laughs> wearing on those walks i don't know listen i'm glad that guy you know brought us together though that's that's amazing and uh, yeah thank you for that and ralph thank you for sending out the tweet and uh, man we have nothing but love for you ralph and uh listen we wanted to have you on the b team but the powers that be just had different ideas at at, at that time i assumed as much yeah yeah. i mean Because I I did reach out to you guys when you were doing B-Team, and I said, I heard you guys say such nice things about the Ralph Report and and me. I'd love to come on. And then I didn't get anything back, and I was like, oh, maybe it's it's weird or something. So when Janky Town happened, I was hesitant to kind of reach out because I didn't want to put you guys in a bad position if you you weren't feeling it or something. I didn't want to, you know push my way in or anything but then eventually i publicly embarrassed you on twitter and no, made you it's so call me you know it's so funny because uh, we had the same trepidation we're like i don't know if he you know because because let's be honest things ended weird you know they they just ended weird yes. you know so and, and let, let's be honest we it was very cold at the end of kevin and bean and understandably you were angry and things weren't really explained to you know, everything was above our pay grade. So we didn't really know what was happening for real, you know? So we were just kind of like the wallflowers. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, yeah. I was as confused as most people. Yeah, but man, it's so good to hear your voice. And, you know, thank you for uh, being a part of our show, dude. I mean, yeah, we, we totally love you to death, man. And, uh, you know, it's so funny because you really, you know, that expression, you don't really know what you had until it's gone. Right. It was one of those weird things. Is that the right expression, Ralph? Did I get that wrong? Yeah. Yeah. No, you got it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but 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 so I, you know, thinking about having you on, and you know, all the fond memories I have about working with you is those times when you know you were working there, Lisa and Mike, and uh, you know that crew, Muggos was there. That for me was so much fun. And uh, those days were just so memorable. What was your, you know, best time throughout the Kevin and Bean days? Wow, it's hard to pick one. I mean, it it was 18 years, you know? I mean, such a big chunk of my life. It's the longest I've ever done anything. You know, it outlasted my marriage. It outlasted (laughs) any time I've been in in a school or a job. I mean, it was a huge chunk of my life. And you're right. There were so many great times and so many laughs. Yeah. I just have to, anytime anyone asks me that, and, and people do, because we still have this amazing 
fan base of Kevin and Bean listeners who are so active online and you know I've, a lot of them have come over and joined me in the Garmy with the Ralph Report and I hear from them all the time and I get that question what was your favorite part of the Kevin and Bean show or favorite memory mm-hmm. and I just have to go with my instinct like the first thing that pops into my head and for me it's always Jerry Lewis talking to Jacques Chirac yeah <laughs> because it was professionally one of the most insane satisfying terrifying hilarious things I've ever been a part of and so I think when it comes to highlights it all it still comes back to that um, for people that don't know that situation, Ralph, because uh, we have like maybe two or three new listeners to Janky Town that aren't familiar with Kevin and Bean, what happened with that? This happened many years ago in the early 2000s when President Bush was debating as to whether he was going to go after Saddam Hussein in Iraq or not. And it was pretty much America against the world because the world was thinking that we should send in uh, NATO investigators to see if he really had weapons of mass destruction. And there was a strong feeling in the United States that we should just go in and take the guy out. And France and Jacques Chirac, the president of France at the time, were sort of the leading voice of the opposition saying, hold off, let's not rush into war. And in retrospect, we all know they were right and, and Bush was wrong. But at the time, it was America against the world. And so Kevin and Bean and I thought it would be funny if Jerry Lewis, who for some insane reason is beloved in uh, France, was to call up random people and try to convince them that our point of view was the correct one. <laughs> so, and I had done Jerry Lewis on the show before and it was a funny bit and so we decided just to get a list of random people in france and start calling homes and we did and i'd be like hello there this is jerry lewis yes uh, i wonder if you know that the people in america were concerned about the saddam hussein the crazy person and we assumed we'd be hung up on and then that would be our disappointment uh, and comedy out so we called the presidential pa- palace which is a number apparently you can just get yeah that's <laughs> and, insane and <laughs> And we talked to this very nice lady there who was speaking in French. We didn't quite understand what she was saying. And I said, uh, yes, can I speak to the president of France, please? And <laughs> she said something in French, and we heard a click. And I think we all assumed we were hung up on. And then we go into commercials, and suddenly she comes back on. Because Kevin had not hung up on the line. I, I assume he thought he was already hung up on yeah. and that line was disengaged. And she's like, uh, Mr. Lewis, please hold for the president. And our eyes got wide like, and we're just happening? staring at each other. Yes, so our heads exploded. So now it's a split second decision. Do we hang up or do we go for it? And so we decided to go for it. And I hear on the phone, hello, this is Jacques Chirac speaking. Is this Jerry Lewis? And I just went for it. And I was like, yes, wow. Monsieur President, it's a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you so much for talking with me today. And he says, it was my favorite moment of the entire conversation, which lasted about nine minutes. It was insane. Yeah. He says, how do I know you're really Jerry Lewis? <laughs> I don't know what I can say or do to make you know it's me, sir. I'm just being me. And he says, oh, yes, I can tell from your voice it is you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is the greatest compliment you can get in the world from a guy who does voices. And so then we launched into this conversation about the pros and cons of going to war with Iraq and what Saddam Hussein was up to and what the UN inspectors were going to do. And it was 
surreal. That's the only way I can explain it is surreal. And so then we finish the conversation and we come out of the stop set and we're all laughing. You can hear it if you ever listen to the, to the bit because we're just in shock and we explain what happened and then we play the phone call. And that's when all the bad things happen. <laughs> oh, no. That's when the lawyers got involved. Yeah, that's when the lawsuits started flying. Yeah. And, uh, oh boy, who sued? Who up, sued? Was it the? Was it Jerry Lewis? Jerry or? Lewis. Jerry Lewis sued. Wow. He said now, that Ralph, we damaged, did- we irreparably damaged his standing in the international community. <laughs> which always made me laugh because I just pictured Jerry Lewis thinking that every world leader has a, a red phone on his desk with a direct line to Jerry Lewis's house in Vegas. Uh, and um, Ralph, were you ever contacted by the government? No, because here's the beautiful part. The French government never admitted that it was Jacques Chirac who talked to us. Oh, they, you know, the press went to them and they said, how do you feel about the president being pranked by these chucklehead DJs from, uh, from America? And they said, we're not aware of uh, the phone call or whether the president ever spoke to anyone or not. So they never admitted it out of sheer embarrassment. And because they never acknowledged it, we never heard from them. Hey, Ralph, uh, awesome. if, if you don't mind, can, uh, can I geek out on you for, for a bit? Because, you know, uh, speaking a little bit to what I was saying before is that you don't really know what you had until it's gone. Is that, you know, when you work with somebody that you're a fan of, you kind of have to keep professional, right? So I have a couple of questions that I, would, I wish I would have asked you when you, we were working together, but I just never got a chance to. Do you mind if I kind of geek out a little bit and get inside your head that, you know, questions that I just have uh, burning questions that I never really got a chance to, you know, ask? I find it hard to believe, Omar, in yeah. all the years we knew each other, that you wouldn't feel comfortable asking me anything. You know, it's, we were on the balcony of my house doing rails of blow together <laughs> after, my, after my Christmas party. I would think maybe you would have turned to me and felt comfortable enough to ask me a question. Well, or two. no, the, 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 these are these are more like uh, like geeky questions. You know what I mean about okay. about right, about sure. what what your inspirations were. You know, uh, so that sort of stuff. So so I'm I, your I'm your guest. I'm an open book. Whatever you need, love it. So I know when you were a kid, you would do voices like Shaggy and Scooby. You would make your elementary school friends laugh, but that right. is very different than knowing you're funny. Can you recall like the first time you're like, wow, I, I, I kind of have something here that other people don't? Well, I'm still not sure if I have something here that other people <laughs> oh don't. Oh, my God. Frankly. Are you kidding? Um, I, I, it's so funny because comedy was, again, like the voices thing, always a thing I did for my friends right. and just to have a good time. But I never, ever thought of that as a career path that was not my intention you know i came to la to be an actor and i was going to be a serious actor i was going to do drama and stuff and and i never thought about doing comedy per se but i guess i was always funny with my friends and family and i still remember my first laugh i ever got as a little 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 kid i must have been i don't know four or five Mm -hmm. we were watching tv in the in the family room and there was a technical difficulty and up on the screen it said please stand by so I was sitting on the floor in front of the television and I got up and I walked over to the coffee table and I stood there and my father was like, what the hell are you doing? And I said, I'm standing by. I'm standing by the coffee table. <laughs> and, and my mom and dad just busted out into laughing. That was the first time I remember making like a conscious joke and then getting that reaction from an audience, which was an audience of two, but right. it made a big impression on me. So I think I always you know, tried to make the people I loved laugh. But it wasn't until after I moved to L.A., and I had done a little television and I was working as a waiter and stuff. And 
I, I knew I needed to do more mm-hmm. and, I, and I couldn't land the gigs. So that's when I joined this thing called the Acme Comedy Theater. Okay. Which was a little uh, sketch and improv group. And I joined them just for the experience, just to get up on stage and just to do more stuff. And that's when I started writing sketches and I started doing improvisation. And that's when I started to use my impressions as part of my work. But until that happened, I never really considered it as uh, and I wasn't I never wanted to be a stand up and I never wanted to be like a funny guy. That wasn't my intention. It was just something I was doing while I was waiting for my life to begin, basically. And then Acme led me to to Adam Carolla, which led me, introduced me to Jimmy Kimmel. And then Jimmy introduced me to Kevin and Bean when those guys left to go do the man show. And so that was started the whole ball rolling. So, um, that, that leads me nicely into this next piece is that the very first thing you ever did for Kevin and Bean was you were playing Tom York. It was April 1st and Radiohead had a show, I believe at the universal amphitheater, Hollywood bowl, something like that. And they wanted you to play, a Tom York who had a weird funky eye and the crew was making fun of you and you guys eventually got in a little tiff, right? Here's a little piece of interesting Kevin and Bean trivia. That That's the legend. Everyone seems to tell that story is the first time I did anything with Kevin and Bean. But I actually was a part of the Mall of America West. What? April, Fool, April Fool's gag. So a year before? Well before that, yes. Wow. Um, Jimmy brought me in to do various voices of shop owners and personalities uh, as they were walking around the mall getting segments to stitch together for the Mall of America West bit. Right. And so I was doing, I was the manager of Cheeses of Nazareth, the religious cheese <laughs> shop, and and uh, Toy Wonder, which was a, a toy store run by Burt Ward, TV's Robin, and... I was doing all these different characters, and I think that's what won Jimmy over. And so the next year, when they went to do the Tom York thing, yeah, Jimmy said we should bring in Ralph because he could he could listen to, to Tom York and give us a, and he's quick on his feet, so he could do a, a a funny Tom York bit. Yeah, but it was it was supposed to be interviewing the real Tom York, and there was supposed to be a concert that night on April first, right? And we pre-recorded a segment where they were interviewing. Tom York and Bean kept making fun of Tom York's wonky eye. Yeah, I have a little bit of the audio here. Let's uh, let's take. Oh, a listen. great! Yeah. Okay, when, uh, you have a bunch of different opening acts. You weren't by any stretch of the imagination listening on your way in, were you, Tom? <laughs> Actually, I was. Yes, but luckily, I can look at both of you now with my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. All right, now <laughs> let me apologize ahead of time for my friend Bean making jokes about your eye. Uh-huh. All right, now that was he didn't mean anything by it. It was just. Oh, obviously. How could I mistake that for meaning anything by <laughs> talking about I, my bad eye? Tom, I'm really sorry about that. I, uh, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I can't believe Kevin brought it up, but uh, right, let's continue. You've probably heard that. I mean, you've heard that before. You, you've moved on. We obviously haven't, but apparently you have moved on past that, right? Well, yeah. I was born with it, you know, so I'm right. all through childhood. Well, I'm sorry about that. Children can be cruel, so, and so can on our personalities, yeah. can't they? And you guys kept the ruse on for a good three or four breaks, and you guys even, like, you know, faked uh, you playing a song, right? Yeah. We, they had live Radiohead in the, in the vault, in the video, in the audio vault. Yeah. And so we cut that in as if Tom was doing a, a, a song in the studio. Yeah. It's so funny. So, yeah, Bean, you know, kept making fun of your eye. And uh, after the song, this is exactly how the segment ends. I thought for a while we'd never hear that one again. I'm glad to hear you uh, do that. And the funny thing is, yeah. Kevin, is if you're watching Tom when he's performing that, one eye is on the guitar while he's playing the right. song, All and right. the other eye is just <laughs> now Casey. Oh, come on. No, he's just kidding. He's I just kidding. Mean, I didn't he's just kidding. Jesus. 
Christ, Tom. Huh? I didn't expect to be treated this way. I, I didn't mean anything. He's just kidding. Get him off Oh, Kevin's acting, by the way. Bravo. (laughs) (laughs) That was even the capital A. (laughs) Yeah, but Ralph, I would like to thank you for, uh, that's the first time I actually had to call, I had to answer calls that were people were so upset. And I learned real quick how to talk to people and calm them down because they were worried about the concert that night. Even the label was, and they thought they thought it was real. So it caused all these problems behind the scenes, and it was so funny though (laughs) because I didn't have to deal with it. So that was my favorite part. Again, like Jacques Chirac thinking he was talking to Jerry Lewis, the label called into the station because they had not sanctioned Tom to go on and do the interview, and they didn't know what Tom was doing there and why he was doing the interview. And then they were concerned about the fight, and then there was the rumor that the show had been canceled, and it was. It was another time we got into a lot of trouble. That's awesome, man. I love that. That's the best. Uh, speaking but of I wasn't even working on the show at the time. I was just Wait. coming in to do it as a favor. Are you kidding? Wow. Yeah. Is that so do you think is that what won them over? Or how long was Jimmy still on the show when you guys did that bit? Well, Jimmy stayed on the show for almost I don't know, six months after I joined. We oh, worked together. Okay, okay. We crossed over for about six months. Oh, okay, got it. Because got it. he and Adam were going off to do the man show, but not right away. So there was sort of like a transition period right. where Jimmy and I actually worked together. And um, I think they liked the fact I did voices and stuff. Yeah. But they were concerned about me not being a radio professional, in quotes, about joining the show full time because I had no radio experience. I had no real interest. Jimmy had to talk me into taking the gig. He asked me like three times. Really? And I said, I said, I have no, I'm not a radio guy. I have no interest in it. And he's like, you're, you're an idiot because this is the greatest comedy and improv training in the world. You got to come up with stuff four, four hours a day, every yeah. day. It's, it's a great workout and, and you should do it just for that reason. And Kevin and Bean were concerned because I had no radio background. So we sort of came to a meeting of the minds which was it would be a temporary thing. I would come on and do write bits and do voices, and they would pay me per week. What? I didn't have a contract. I didn't have a contract oh for years. Um, they would pay me uh, per bit per, per week, and then it was supposed to be three or four months of me sort of keeping the show afloat after Jimmy left, and then they were going to find a real radio personality to step in and, and be the permanent guy. And so what was going to be a six-month gig turned into 18 years. Wow. That, that's crazy. I never knew that. And at the time, were yeah. you doing the Ralph Report as well? I mean, sorry, the showbiz beat? No, that, that came along later. Okay. It's, it's funny. When I first started, I was only doing phone bits and voices. And then slowly I started showing up in the room and talking to the guys. And that made our then program manager kevin weatherly nuts (laughs) he hated it and he brought me into the office and he said i only want you to be heard on the show when you're doing a character or voice i don't want you to be you because nobody knows who you are they have they have not learned who you are and i said great logic how are they going to know who i am (laughs) unless i go in and talk on the show so and let them get to know me 
And he said, okay, fair point. He said, but you can't just be in the room. It doesn't make any sense. You have to be something. We have Jimmy, who's the sports guy. He's Jimmy the sports guy. He's got a role. You can't just be the new guy, because they were calling me at the time Ralph the new guy, because right. I was that, that's all I had. They said, you need, to, you need a role. Like Jimmy did a sports break every hour. I said, yeah. I, can do an, I can do the entertainment news, and I can do that at the time. It was once a show. We had one segment during the show set aside for me being to sort of the entertainment reporter. And I said, let me do sort of a spoof of, you know, of entertainment news shows like Entertainment Tonight and stuff, and that'll be my thing. And then at the end of the week, I can do sort of a movie review th- segment where I don't see any of the movies and I just talk about the, the premises. And right. Stuff. So everybody seemed to go for that idea. That was the way they were going to introduce me to the audience was by letting me on the show just a little bit as myself doing the showbiz beat. And that was once a show... And slowly, actually it wasn't even that slowly, quickly, that segment really blew up and people really dug it. And that's when we started eventually doing it every hour. But initially it was just once a show. Can you speak a little bit about, that leads me perfectly into how Kevin and Bean have no ego when it comes down to somebody shining. Because if it was any, yeah. other ra- uh, any other radio personality, you would think, like, who is this new guy who's only been here about six months? We don't really know him, but people really, really like him and really dig what he's doing. We don't want him to take any of our fame. Could you speak a little bit about how Kevin and Bean are polar opposites, you know, when it comes down to that? To their credit, and without exception, they have always been willing to let other people shine on that show. And I think it's a combination of two things. I think they're a great audience. They really love talent. They like funny, smart people. Mm-hmm. So they're willing to let you do your thing because they want to enjoy it as much as the audience does. And then the rest of it is, like you said, they just, they're, they're egoless when it comes to sharing the spotlight. And we all know so many other people in radio who are not like that. You know, Rick Dees would never go for that. No Ryan Seacrest would never go for that. But I also think they're smart in a way because they knew... And it, it happened way before me. It happened with, you know, Mark Davis and, and Jimmy Kimmel. And, and they knew the better those people were, the better the show would be and the more successful the show would be. So their, their eyes was always on the prize when it comes to making the show popular and making the, making the audience happy. So I think that's why they did it. Yeah. And then for sure, like just the chemistry in general, they, they, they always knew what worked like i don't have that 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 skill like when, ralph whenever we're done recording the podcast i'm like man that was shit and then i have to go edit myself <laughs> but but they while they're in the moment and i don't know if you you probably have that skill while they're in the moment and while things are happening live they can tell okay yeah this is good you know this guy we, we're feeding off of him we, we we could you know riff on each other or whatever and we could you know make things uh, magic, you know, you know that magic, that 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 feeling that you get when you're kind of like riffing with somebody. You're just going back and forth. You guys used to do that amazingly. Yeah, I, I mean, and not to toot my own horn, but they kind of got lucky that I was a guy coming out of the world of sketch comedy and improv comedy because that those skills became invaluable on that show. Because no matter, and I, early on, I used to write out their parts for them. I would say, okay, I'm going to be this kind of what? character. And then you guys, yeah, you guys should say this. And I would script it. And then I found out how awful they were at acting <laughs> and performing. So I quickly adapted a new strategy, which was you guys just act like you're interviewing 
whoever I'm supposed to be, and I will supply the stuff on the other end, which, you know, I would write out a couple jokes for myself so I had some a safety net, but largely it was just improv comedy. And so because I, ha- I had such a strong background in that, we were able to go off on tangents and do things that, you know, a lot of other shows couldn't do. And once we hit that groove, it just started to grow and grow and grow. Plus, the upside was... I could make fun of them when things went south. You know, yeah. if one of them asked a dumb question or an interview wasn't going anywhere, people would get a, as big a kick out of me busting their balls as they would if I landed with a funny joke or somebody came up with something clever. So, <laughs> you know, our audience appreciated the fact that we would we would be drowning sometimes. One of my most memorable uh, moments being on the Kevin and Bean show was the opportunity to fill in for Omar. When, when he was gone, while you were in the studio doing these voice bits and to watch you operate and write the sketch and write the jokes, it was some of the, the best theater of the mind that I've ever seen live. And no one, am I right, Omar? No one will ever have the opportunity to watch that live. And that really yeah. doesn't even happen anymore. I don't well, really even hear that on radio. I mean, you... I t- people will tell me to this day, Ralph, like m- one of my favorite things of the Kevin Bean show is Ralph. And I always say, I always say watching Ralph Garman operate in the studio live was one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen. You are n- not even sketch wise, improv wise. You are one of the fastest people that I know. And you remember, I remember uh, doing mugs theater, Ralph, but like that was the joke. <laughs> like I was going to fill in for you uh, on the air. I mean, I wouldn't even have. Any idea, because I never took improv or anything like that, and it showed, but I, even to start with a base of something, I watched you, and that's how I kind of learned to even, you know, not even come close to you, but attempt it, is what I'm saying. So it was just fascinating to watch you work, sir. Yeah, it's very kind of you, sir. I appreciate that. It's so funny, uh, Muggs, because I, you know, I was in there way more than you were, and it was so funny yeah. because uh, this happened, you know, a handful of times where I'm like, "Hey, Ralph, uh, are you going to be in on this bit or what?" And he, he's like, "Oh, fuck!" He like totally forgot he had to do a voice <laughs> bit, and he's rushing into the studio, snatches a piece of paper, and just yeah. jots down some notes, and it's a yeah. killer bit. Like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> yeah. who does that? And he never Insane. gets phased. Like as soon as the headphones were were on, and Kevin and Bean are going to the phone call, he's in character and he's ready to go, and he delivers. Yeah, it, it's pretty insane to watch. It was always easier for me to do that in a studio in front of a microphone than it would be to do it on a stage in front of a couple hundred people. You know, if that's wow. if that's your your training ground where people are staring at you, live people, and you have to hear the laughter in order to know that you're succeeding yeah uh-huh. the pressure's off if you're doing it into a microphone and you can't hear the audience maybe they're laughing in their cars on the 405 or maybe they're not but i didn't have to worry about it because you know i wasn't going to pay the price so in a, in a way the pressure was actually less for me doing radio than it was when i used to do it in front of a live audience that that for me is still much more nerve-wracking but it comes from again it's it largely is practice but if you have a good sense, like I would tell them who the character was going to be. Mm-hmm. All right, he's he's the he's the he's Bruce Endicott. He's the guy who runs this uh, 
this liberal organization and he thinks he's really woke but the truth is he is he's a very entitled white guy and he's got these hidden you know prejudices and stuff once i understood who the guy was then i would just be able to talk as him and no matter what they asked me or whatever came up i was able to 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 work with it so green 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 hey guys you know what time it is it's miller time no, no, it's not. Um, it's sponsor time. <laughs> and this time we're in back in action with thiswebdeveloper.com. Yes, the guy who brought us Janky.town is back in full effect. His name is James DeLapa, and we spoke the other day, and he said that all the janksters that reached out to him to help him with their website needs were so cool that he wants to keep the janky clientele rolling on through. So thank you all the janksters who reached out to James, because not only does that bring James business, but it also keeps this podcast going, and it will afford us the option of planning, crowdcasts, parties and live events in the future yeah and if you want to check out a sample of his work visit janky.town he whipped up the site for us and the janky town community and while you're there be sure to join the forum so you can connect with other janksters i posted a couple of things on there and would love to get your feedback if you need a website or currently have a wordpress site and want to take it to the next level james is your man check out this to get a full understanding of what he can do for you here's just one of the many reviews that james has on there James is the developer you want on your next project. Here's the deal. Yes, my project was completed perfectly and on time. Yes, his technical skills are first class, but what truly sets him apart from the sea of developers is his ability to meet the needs of a corporate client. His communication skills are second to none, and he's consistently available. He's more willing to work directly with the various gatekeepers within your organization to reach your goals. And he fully understands the need to demonstrate the impact of his work with video explainers, detailed emails, and dedicated conference calls. Make no mistake, James is who you need to hire on your next project. You will not be disappointed. Yeah, James is the man, man. He does great websites. Man, he's the man, man. Uh, he he has a list of clients, man, from uh, startups, tech companies, man. real estate companies, doctors, law firms. He's done websites for pro bloggers, social influencers. So if you're like an influencer or you're a content creator like us and want to want to do some sort of website, James is your man. Hit him up. From web development, consulting, and maintenance, James is the best. He even started a YouTube channel that shows you how to build your own site for free. Just go to YouTube and search James DeLapa. That's D-E-L-A-P-A. <laughs> he has videos that go into great detail on how to build your site from the ground up. So if you're on the fence about hiring a professional due to low funds, James will show you how to do it on your own. So if you're a jankster, we would appreciate you looking up James DeLapa on YouTube and subscribing to his channel. That will help him out, and that will help us out too, you fuck. No. <laughs> hey, why, why are you so angry, Muggs? Just tone I don't it, know. I, I, tone it down on the notch. I'm sorry. Po- post-COVID, I, know, I have what? these like, it's a new symptom. You get like these angry spells, these okay. rage spells. It's weird. All right. Uh, to talk to James, just hit him up at 858-345-6444. And if you have any questions about the world of WordPress, just email him at info at thiswebdeveloper.com. With any questions, I'm sure he'll be able to hook you up with an answer. From small business to big business, James does quality work you can depend on. That's thiswebdeveloper.com and search James DeLapa on YouTube for free tutorials and please subscribe. Are there any characters that you used to do that you wish you could do now, like a Bruce Endicott? Because I think that he would probably still work to this day because More uh, than everyone's ever. so woke. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Endicott more than ever is relevant <laughs> considering because we were doing sort of like that fake liberal guy who was pretending to be on the side of people of color and stuff well before any of the cancel culture thing or any of that kind of stuff happened we were a little bit ahead of the curve so i i do miss bruce endicott 
Luckily, Roland still shows up on the Ralph Report from time to time. He will uh, he'll <laughs> stop he? by. And, yeah, he'll talk about uh, geeky stuff when we're talking about Mandalorian or something oh, like man. that. He'll, he's got to be loving quarantine, right, Ralph? You know what? Is, oh. is Roland around there? Hold on. You know, he used to be just able to, like, he's able to, like, you know, crack into our satellite system or something. He does it with me, too, <laughs> he but does? he cracks into my home. Well, well, what the hell? Know, That's so weird. I, I'm living on my own now because Carrie and I have, uh, have divorced, oh, and man, so when I'm bad here news, by yeah. myself, it's sometimes, I don't know where he, hold on a second. He, li- he lingers. <sighs> What's your problem? Oh, oh man. There he is. I didn't want you to say anything awful about me. You're probably going to talk, hey. say something is disparaging about me to these guys who I used to work with. They don't ask me to be on their hey, show. They hey, Roland. Hey, it's, it's, I don't know if you know me, but I used to work with Ralph at K-Rock, Omar. I used to be like the guy who I remember you. I remember you very well yeah. because you were the one who had the awful security system in the broadcast right. area where I was able to just patch myself in from my basement whenever I chose to. Yep. So I know you largely as an incompetent boob. Hey, that's, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Roland, I, I, how are you doing in the quarantine? It seems like for me, for me, it would seem like you're, you're a guy who was built for quarantine, just playing video games and watching movies all, the, all day. Is that what you're doing? I am the king of quarantine. <laughs> if, they were to, if they were to craft a totem pole... For quarantine, my head and likeness would be at the top of it because I I have been preparing for this quarantine my entire life. <laughs> now everyone must live as I do. Uh, uh, All any, hail King Roland. <laughs> any any uh, show recommendations or like what have you been binging? Well, I'm just chafed from masturbating to the last episode of Mandalorian over and over again. Oh, man. oh no. What's so, uh, what's so exciting about that? I mean, there's Baby Yoda, and that's kind of gross if you're masturbating Have you that. seen the se- Did you see the series finale, the season finale? Oh, no. I heard no. a lot of people cried, though. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't think I can even have a conversation with you. All right, just the idea, Just the idea of the final scenes of the Mandalorian last episode is giving me a turgid erection. What happens? <laughs> what happens that gives you so much pleasure? I don't want to spoil it for everyone, okay, but an old, an old character from Star Wars returns just Ooh. when we need him the most. Oh, my God. George R. Binks. Yes. Love it. <laughs> He's back. Love ha, it. George R. Binks. Ha. <laughs> All right, Roland. I'm sure, you're, I'm sure you and your little jankstas think... What? What happened? Did hey, someone fall over? That's got to be beer mug. Beer mug, that's what'd you do? Be. What happened? I, sorry, that was my, that was my mug, literally. Uh-huh. Dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm sure Roland. you and your little friends think that's very funny, but the truth is it was a truly moving experience, especially in my pants. I bet it was. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Uh, happy quarantining. And uh, are you going to get the vaccine or are you one of these uh, like uh, conspiracy theorists that think there's a microchip in the vaccine? I'm hoping there's a microchip in the vaccine. <laughs> I'm unlike a lot of conspiracy theory people. I would like to have as many microchips in my body as possible to the point where eventually I'm more machine than man. I would like eventually to become completely, completely virtual, and I would like to be uploaded into a computer, and then I would have m- multiple sex partners on, on, oh on my, my anime God. site. Hey, oh, so you know, speaking of uh, sex partners, uh, uh, I know the new Wonder Woman's getting, getting a bunch of flack for being terrible. Have you seen it? I have seen it. And? It is not terrible. It is, Gal Gadot is a goddess. Yep. And, and I'm sure once I, I, I clean my essence off of the screen that <laughs> oh. I was watching it on, 
I'll be able to watch more of the of the actual film, but early on my screen got cloudy. Oh and man. And so I'm going to, I'm going to need to get a squeegee and a and a sham wow and just try to get everything fixed before I can actually watch the rest. I of think it. that'd be a good Boy, idea. Hey, it. you don't do that around Ralph's house, do you? Yeah. Shh. Don't say it out loud. <laughs> oh now. man. All right, dude. All right, Roland, we'll let you go. Can you put Ralph back on the line? All right. Good talking to you, man. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they're ready for you now. Oh, my God. (laughs) The entertainment part of the broadcast is over, apparently. Oh, man. (laughs) Roland really thinks highly of himself, doesn't he? Oh, my God. He's gotten so much worse. He's gotten so much worse than he used to be, guys. How did he get into your house, Ralph? Like, what? I think... I think he lives in the walls. I really oh do. I think God. that's one of those creepy horror movie things where somehow he's just uh, some. Once in a while, I get a sn- like a smell for like an old milk carton or something, and I think he's uh, he's actually dwelling somewhere in the house. How old is that dude now, Roland? Well, it's hard yeah. to tell with him he, because he's obviously a, a, a full grown man, but yeah. he's got the acne of a fourteen year old. So that makes him look very youthful. Oh my god! Hey, Ralph. Uh, okay, so uh, you so you joined the show and then you got hired on permanently. When did you take over Christmas album duty? <laughs> well, the problem was after the first couple Christmas albums, Kevin and Bean lost interest. Well, <laughs> it's a tremendous amount of work. I, I helped you produce like the last three. I want to see, or maybe the last two. It's so much work. Yeah. And so what happened was poor Lightning, who was the producer at the time, he was left to do it all. And he was getting, you know, it was, it was being helped by the music department. They were able to book acts that, that were to record Christmas songs and stuff. But in yeah. terms of writing bits and doing things like that, that's Jimmy had pretty much handled that responsibility before I got there. Yeah. So once Jimmy left, it kind of fell, fell into my shoulders along with, with Lightning to kind of create a system where we could come up with bits and... It was always a mad scramble. Well, you remember, towards, yep. you know, it's just just trying to get it all done in time, just to get it off, to get it pressed, so we could get into Best Buys by the end of the year, or whatever. It was a nightmare. But yeah, you would start those working were, in those October. Those were fun to do too. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, those were fun to do because you had time and you had the you know the luxury of getting into a studio and mixing it and adding yeah. music and sound effects and stuff. That was more. I mean, we had like. Adam West came in to do an episode of the, the Christmas episode of the Batman TV series. Yeah. And I wrote that for him and I got to work with him and we added sound effects and stuff. And it was just so much fun to do something a little bit more uh, produced. Was Ralph Sinatra Christmas when you're dead. Was that the first song you've, you ever wrote? Yeah, it was right. Yeah. That's, that's... Yeah, I'd done a lot of parodies before, but I'd never written an original song. And that was the first song I've ever, I ever wrote here. Uh, I, I just recently re-listened to this uh, in preparation. I uh, have a little snippet of it here. It's it's freaking great here. Let's check it out. Christmas just ain't Christmas when you're lying in the ground. No presents tied with ribbons that you say. When you're six feet under, there's no lights upon a tree. A Christmas wreath don't mean the same thing on your grave. <laughs> Santa Claus don't fill your stocking when your ticker stops tick-tocking. No decorated coffin green and red. No singing deck the halls when there are maggots on your balls. <laughs> Christmas just ain't Christmas when you're dead. Oh, man, so good, dude. Oh, you're, you're very kind. 
I just... Yeah, that was just... I knew I wanted to do something Sinatra, and so I wrote the words first, and then I just started playing around with melodies, and I had a great friend of mine named Jonathan Green who had done all the music for the Acme Comedy Theater, and I called him up and I said, look, I don't know music, I don't write music, I don't play guitar, I don't play piano, mm-hmm. but I got a tune in my head for this song. If I sing it, can you just listen to it and write it down so we can, we can, rec- we can you know, have a rec- record of the melody? Right. And so I did that. I just sang it for him over and over again, and he played it on piano and actually wrote out the, the notes, so we had it. And then he also wrote all the parts for the, the brass and all the other things. He orchestrated it, and Dude. it just turned out to be so much fun. So that's Yeah, so, so, so cool. Man, it's one of the things that uh, I, miss, I missed and hated that, that time because Lightning was so frustrating at times because uh, he was just so <laughs> all over the place. And uh, it was a lot of work, but man, once those things were done and they, they came to fruition, they were great albums. Like everything was really were they were freaking phenomenal, and now you can get them for ninety nine cents at the Goodwill. (laughs) So (laughs) you can find them on eBay for a nickel. (laughs) Yeah. Now, was there anything that you guys worked really hard on that was not approved? Nothing that I ever did got bounced. I'm trying to think. I know it. Like everything at that show and at that station. Everything got harder and harder the more corporate it became and the more the lawyers got involved. And what became sort of a free-for-all where we could do, if you could think of it, we could do it early on. Yeah. Then, you know, it's like you, could, you couldn't use certain songs or you couldn't, it, the parody had to be cleared and you had to make sure yeah. that this person got signed off on that person. So a lot of the parody songs and things got to be mired down with legal stuff but i can't remember like a bit or a segment i did that ever got bounced there was I think uh, mike may have had that problem <laughs> yeah yeah mike, <laughs> mike had a lot of problems the only one do you remember ralph uh kevin did i i, I want to punch you in the face for christmas and we oh, actually right. printed the cds the cds were made and then the oh lawyers were like God. hey uh guys uh we can't we don't have clearance to use that song so we had to print out a bunch of a new set of CDs without that song on it. Remember? I forgot. <laughs> yep. Yes, you're absolutely right. That's crazy. That's what I mean by the lawyers just put their foot on our necks. It yeah. just got to be so tough. That's one of the reasons I think we stopped doing it is, well, one, nobody had CD players anymore. Yeah. But, um, it was just, it got to be such a grind and there was such a fight all the time with uh, lawyers saying you could do this and you couldn't do that. And it just sucked all the joy out of it. I have a question from uh, Trevor Shand. Uh, he's a production guy from uh, K-Rock. He uh, does the uh, Boo Crew podcast, and he wants to know if there's a Batman prop or collectible that you haven't been able to track down that he really wants to get. Like, is there any kind of holy grail that you don't have yet? You know, I've got so much stuff, yeah. obviously. Um, but this, and what I really concentrate on now is finding props and costume pieces from the actual show that were used on the set. Mm. And so I've got Adam West's gloves, and I've got his tights, top and bottom, and I've got his briefs. And I, I, all, all I need is... How much is do you a, wear them? <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen Roland walking around in them a couple of times. And I don't know. <laughs> So I would love to complete the costume. I would love to get a utility belt and a pair of boots and a cape and cowl. So I'm always looking at auction houses and stuff for for that stuff to come up because there aren't many of them out there. And so uh, I don't know. By the time I'm dead, maybe I'll put it together. When did you know you had the ability to 
I mean, you're a good impressionist, but you do more of a characterization of that impression. Do you know what I mean? Yes. You make it a yes. funny version. I'm, I'm, it's because I'm not a good impressionist. That's the reason I do that. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. It's absolutely true. People say, oh, my God, you're, you're an impressionist. I'm like, that's an insult to real impressionists to say that because I can get in the neighborhood. I can get close to a voice. I mean, we know guys like Frank Caliendo and you know guys who have been on yeah. the show a million times who are just spooky, spot on. If you close your eyes, that's the guy. I know a ton of guys who have that talent. I never had that talent. I can get close, but my skill set is to make it funny. If I do a a vocal character of a of a person with a with a strong attitude and a, and a strong sense of what's funny about that person i can you know people f- will forgive a lot if you can deliver something that's funny so um that's absolutely the case and i had to do that because i really wasn't that great at impressions i so i would take you know if i was doing Arnold, you know <laughs> you know doing that voice you know there's other guys who you know all these things they can do Arnold better but you know the energy that i bring it is so hot you know yeah. with all the happiness i just bring i'm always so happy as Arnold. the people you know they get happy when they hear me and all these things like oh, so you know it's it. just it's just doing it's just finding a hook and then amplifying it, which is how I succeeded on radio. I mean, a lot of people liked what I did on Kevin and Bean. A lot of people didn't like who I was on Kevin and Bean. And they were like, you're too mean and you're an asshole and you're always angry. And sometimes that was the case. But a lot of the times I was taking an aspect of myself and I was amplifying it almost as a character to kind of create a a way to stand out from the crowd to be noticed to be to take a role on on the show that no one else was doing that was a big part of the energy that i brought to even ralph on that show so it's kind of been the key for me is that i try to find a hook or something and then i amplify that and i make it bigger than life and larger than life and that's how uh, I find a lot of the stuff that I do becomes successful. Speaking to that, I have an example of just that. Uh, Christian Bell uh, notoriously went off on a, a sound guy, I believe. <laughs> and uh, here's that audio. And, and uh, like, Ralph, I, I imagine you didn't even know you could do Christian Bell, but you figured out a way. I'm going to play the real Christian Bell here, and then uh, we'll get into what, what you did. And it's, it's truly amazing. Kick your f-ing ass! I want you off the set, you f- no, don't just be sorry. Think for one second. The, the f- are you doing? Are you professional or not? Yes, I am. Do I f- walk around and rip that? No, shut the f- up, Bruce. Do I want? No. No. Don't shut me up. Am I going to walk around and rip your f- lights down in the middle of a scene? Then why the f- are you walking right through? Oh, da-da-da-da, like this in the background. What the <laughs> f*** is it with you? Okay, I don't know if Ralph remembers this, but that <laughs> audio came out, you know, whatever day it came out. And yeah, it was a story that Ralph covered and, you know, played the audio, but that's it. Ralph went on about his day. So Kevin and Bean came up with a bit that, yeah, we're going to talk to Christian Bell and we're going to do this bit. But Ralph didn't really have the impression down. So he, before he does this bit, just listens to the audio, and then this this magic happens. Like, I just, it's incredible. But sometimes when you're on a set, when you're on a creative enterprise, and you're working together, and sometimes... Sorry. Sorry. What was that? Sorry. 
I hit my microphone. I'm sorry. Well, don't you, just be sorry. You were saying. <laughs> don't be sorry. Think for a fucking minute. Okay. Okay. Hold on. What hold on, that? Christian. You were just talking. What the f was that? I hit the <laughs> microphone. I oh, God. It was on for <laughs> you. And how is it? How is the microphone? Uh, it's it's fine. It good. It wasn't. I didn't do it on purpose. You are so amateur. <laughs> oh, come on. Christian, listen, we don't want this to derail the interview. It was just a mistake. He accidentally hit a piece of equipment. Don't you shut me up. Don't you shut me up. <laughs> well, let's just, can we just talk about the topic? That no, we've got, let's got talk about, I don't come to your studio and trash your mics, do I? Well, no, but. Do I? Well, <laughs> don't trash my interview. All right, it's hard enough to do an interview without you hitting the microphone. Oh, did I, did I hit the microphone. Look, I just, I Are was you reaching... professional or not? I am not. Are you professional or not? <laughs> no. No, you are so Amateur. Okay. okay. Wow. 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 Look, I don't you're think right. this Look, is you're a nice for. guy. You're a nice guy, Thank right? You. Thank you. But you and we are f through professionally. Well, we've never had a professional relationship. Well, I'm not the one knocking microphones around. You do it. Look, Should we just apologize and no, move we'll on? No, we'll go is again. That... No, we'll go again. Okay. Okay. All right. So yes, we'll go to the beginning again. All right. Uh, if you uh, can you're... try not to. Hit the microphones and ruin my f***ing interview. Right, we're, wow. We're on the phone. With don't, don't shove it. I will kick your f***ing ass. <laughs> I will kick your ass. Are we starting over or not? No, I want you out of the f***ing studio. Uh, <laughs> Do you remember that, Ralph? <laughs> of course I remember that. Oh, my God, dude. I Brilliant. love that. And guess who Genius. was listening to that? Yeah. Christian motherfucking Bell called in to uh, no the Kevin and Bean show, and yeah, he was yeah. featured player on uh, Ralph's uh, Showbiz Beat, and uh, here's a little bit of that. Hello, Christian. How are you? Whoa. How are you doing, fellas? Oh, no. Doing well, sir. I just want to... So who am I talking to? Oh, no. This is Ralph, Kevin and Bean, and Lisa May's also here in the studio, Christian. All right. Well, listen, I spoke with you guys a few years back. You seem like good guys. So I wanted to talk with you about Oh, this. no. Are we, being, yeah. are we being punked no, right you're here, not. Ralph? This is really it Christian like Bell. Him. Please tell us it's not. This is, this is, believe me, this is no punk. Oh, wow. <laughs> Christian has apparently uh, heard some of the segments we've been doing since the release of no. that audio no. tape. Oh. i got to tell you, I have to tell you, listen, it has been a miserable week for me. Sure. And you guys, I, I, was, I was driving in the car. At least I think it was you guys I was listening to. Right. And, and you, you, you made me laugh in the midst of all this, uh, this uh, uh, craziness. I find really? that hard to believe. <laughs> really? So, li listen. I, I know I have a potty mouth. Everybody knows that now. Right. But I understand this is live, so please don't worry. I will behave. <laughs> okay. Oh, right. well, we, we appreciate <laughs> if you that. don't, we are done professionally, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Man, awesome. uh, how was that day for you, Ralph? I mean, that must have been surreal as fuck. This goes back to what we are talking about earlier with Jacques Chirac and Jerry Lewis, or people thinking Tom York was really in a fight with Bean. The fact that the guy that I was doing could call in, and he did that on his own. This wasn't, he didn't, it wasn't put up right. by his management or his oh, publicist wow. or anything. He literally heard that. I mean, I talked to him off the air, and he literally heard that bit and thought it was funny. And it, we, he was glad we were taking the piss out of him a little bit. And he said it was genuinely funny to do that for. You know, for a guy that I'm doing an impression of to make a joke about, for him to have that sense of humor and for us to connect on that level was another highlight for me, absolutely. Yeah, it was, he was amazing. Such, he was so cool about it, but yeah. also genius of him to own up to it, apologize on a big-time morning radio show. Yeah. I mean, that got a lot of play when he did that. Reminds me, of the, uh, Ralph, of the uh, good sense of humor that David Hasselhoff had. 
when you used to do <laughs> not so much not so much not he's so straight much, up Dave. Just, yeah no he straight up ignored me on a red carpet once because he saw the k-rock mic flag he's like yeah he nope. wasn't happy with how we treated him and <laughs> frankly it's that's a, that's a fair cop because we were brutal <laughs> but do you remember oh, when al gore remember when al gore called in what no the real the real al yes. gore yes no al gore called in why did I he used, call it? I used to do Al Gore <laughs> yeah, on the show all the time as this really boring <laughs> robot of a politician talking about we have to make sure that we don't burn any greenhouse gases. <laughs> and so he called in about a sequel to An Inconvenient Truth or something like that. And apparently he had also been informed or played for him <laughs> some of the stuff that i had done wow and he came on the show and like it was lightning it must maybe it was lightning i don't know whether, whether you would it was you dave or whether it was the dark times in between you two producers um <laughs> <laughs> but someone said you need to be in the studio wow. when al gets on the phone and i was like that's weird. Why? I got nothing to contribute to this interview. And he got on. He said, is Ralph Garman there? And he, he started mocking me for my impression of him. That's awesome. Gring, 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 gring. Hey, guys, you know what time it is? It's time for a new president. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's coming soon. But yeah, it's also sponsor time. Janky Town is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Really, really big news, guys. That's my Trump. That's Manscaped <laughs> just released their new cologne scent to help you feel and smell good all over and at all times. Who knew smelling this good could feel this good, too? That's great, because I was using my lawnmower 3.0 downtown, and by downtown, I mean my crotch, you know, my pee-pee area. I'm talking about my ball guys. <laughs> and, after I, and after I was done, I smelled my finger, and ooh-wee, it was hella nasty. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me that Manscaped now, in addition to all their top-notch grooming products, can make me smell good down there, too? Yup, it's time to step up your grooming game with a new refined cologne signature scent. Oh, you know what? Manscaped sent some over, but I haven't had a chance to take a whiff. But I, Muggs, you smelt it, right? What do you think? Break it down for us. Well, Omar, with the same signature scent that's in all Manscaped formulas, this cologne mm -hmm. is a perfect complement to the collection, light, approachable, and gentlemanly in all the right ways. Whoa. Think of it as your wingman for the night to keep you fresh and ready for anything like banging. <laughs> <laughs> Calming and inviting, this signature scent introduces a light citrus burst before settling into the anchoring notes of vetiver. What the fuck is vetiver? <laughs> okay, well, no idea. I don't know. You're not really selling me on that one. What else does this smell like, dude? Well, if you like the woods, it smells very woodsy. So you're telling me if I put this on my balls and I ask the wifey to take a whiff, she'll be all good with that. Is that where? I, is that how this works? Yeah, oh, if she smells your balls and she happens to have allergies, no worries, because this 50 milliliter bottle is hypoallergenic and they're nice to the animals. And it's dye-free and paraben-free, too. And if you're a vegan, 100%, baby. Cool. So next time, I'm going to trim my balls and I'm going to put the refined cologne on my balls and I'm going to put my finger down there and uh, I'm going to let you guys take a whiff of my fingers. Is that cool? Guys? Guys? Yeah. Uh, smell my finger. Mm. Smell it. Mm. Smell it, you fucks. Mm. 
Anyways, also be sure to check out the Perfect Package 3.0 with all the essentials for your below-the-waist grooming needs, including the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer and crop formulations. Yep, I'm talking about ball deodorant and toner to keep your testes besties. And now you can use the new Manscaped Refined Cologne to complete your set and smell great anytime, anywhere, any place. And thank you so much for all you janksters out there. The reason Manscaped is back in action in January is because of you. You guys went out in full force and hooked up with the Manscaped product and got all your gear. So please keep doing us a solid. You support the podcast by buying some Manscaped products. So you're getting something in return. You're supporting the podcast. So please go to Manscaped.com. Use Janky20 as your discount code. You get 20% off and you get free shipping. Again, that's Janky20 at Manscaped.com. Look at Smell Good, Feel Good with Manscaped. Guys, I'm going to put it on my b-hole because it's been smelling a little funny. Can I take a sniff after? <laughs> I have a bit of a, a serious question, and it has to do with your broadcasting skills and how you develop as a broadcaster. And a choice you must have intentionally made is that you intentionally put your life out there. You know, you talk to your listeners about your son passing away, your divorce, and you're very out there and you put everything out there on the line seemingly and you know like Kevin and Bean were just not that you know what made you decide to be that way it's a fascinating question I don't think anyone's ever asked me before Omar you're good at this oh thank you I appreciate that means a lot calm Um, down (laughs) I think it just came from not being a radio guy so I didn't really have a radio persona, and I think Kevin and Bean came from a radio world where you were just the DJ who was spinning records and doing time and temperature and stuff, and you sort of had a, a shtick that you did. I was a guy who came on who was doing voices and things, but in terms of who I was on air, I didn't really have anything to lean on other than pieces of myself. You know, mm-hmm. I would take portions of myself and I would sort of you know, I would I would exacerbate this, or I would I would amplify that for comic effect and this and stuff. But at the at the bottom of it, it's all basically still me to some level or another. Right. And I just found that using my real life was was a great way to connect with the audience. I think yeah. they respected the fact that I was being honest and upfront with them, and it it created a relationship between me and these faceless people in their cars and stuff that I think I needed too. I needed to, to kind of be myself out there and connect with them in some sort of real way for, in order for me to, to make what I was doing successful in some way. And, and I've, I've maintained that ever since I, I still do that on the Ralph report and I, I did it then. And I'll tell you something, it, it has benefited me a lot more than it has benefited the audience in terms of when you're open and honest with people, the incredible love and support you get in response is overwhelming. I mean, when my son died and I talked about it, I don't know if I could have gotten through that experience without all those people being as kind as they were. And then again, when I talked about the end of my marriage on the Ralph Report, people just showing up in such a big, amazing way, it's... you know, we live in such a shitty time and everyone's divided and there's so much anger and hatred on social media. And, and, but but when, you, when you deal with the audiences in an honest, open way and you get that kind of love and response back from people, it kind of is life-affirming. It makes you feel like, well, maybe there's hope for us after all because people at their heart, at least the people that listen to us, are good, decent people, and they're kind, and they're giving, and and it's 
it's been a very rewarding experience for me, up and down. Speak a little bit about the um, instant Garmi support. You got let go from KROQ, and it seemed like, if my recollection is correct, you didn't skip a beat. The Ralph report was on Patreon within weeks. I, I, I want to say, is that is that? Am I remembering no, that right? It, it, I was let go at the end of uh, November of 2017, mm-hmm. and then the Ralph report started on January 22nd, 2018. Okay. So, I don't know, what's that, so like two months? Two months. So, I mean, that's still yeah. a relatively short time to start up a new project and, you know, hit the ground running. And speak a little bit about the instant Garmi support, because you had thousands upon thousands of people that subscribed and supported you instantly. How amazing was that? Yes, yes. They were better than I was at that moment. The show was not really ready when I started it because I started it so quickly and they didn't care. They showed up and they were supporting me um, right out of the gate. You're absolutely right. And again, I think it's because I had a relationship with these people. You know, I may not know their names or their faces, but I know they're out there and they know me. And what we had continued. It it, it existed beyond the Kevin and Bean show and beyond K-Rock. So... It was, again, another one of those moments was just overwhelming to have that many people have your back and say, we're sorry that you're hurting. We're sorry you lost your job. I know it sucks. We're still here for you. And, I'm, you know, I got another great friend, Kevin Smith, who yeah. kind of paved the way for me because when I got let go from K-Rock, I was, I met with a couple other radio stations and they didn't really have a slot open in mornings or even afternoon drive and you know i was meeting a lot taking a lot of meetings nothing was really happening and i said i got a wife and a kid i don't know how i'm going to make a living i really didn't know and kevin smith who is the king of do it yourself you know this guy makes his own movies and he's you know he started podcasting well before almost anyone he was in very early he said you are trapped in that old mindset where you think you have to have some corporation give you permission to go on the air and talk to your audience. He said, we don't live in that world anymore. You could start your own show tomorrow and people would tune up and turn up and listen to you because they love you. And you've got an audience that you've built over almost 20 years and it's, they're there. You just have to do it. And so I said, all right. And that's how the, I got the idea to do the Ralph report and just, start it yeah Jenks. this if you want to check out um ralph he's on patreon just uh, search the ralph report and i think it's as little as three dollars a month for the lowest tier and break break down the tier levels and all the the four-star general and all what, what you get with all that stuff if our jenks want to subscribe to your uh, your show yeah when we started the garmy as as those guys call themselves which is awesome yeah they kind of gave me the instant uh in in terms of how i can structure the you know the uh, subscription base but for three dollars, you get the show every every day, Monday through Friday, and then everything after that is sort of in terms of additional access. It's whether you have more or less interest in me is how much money you can spend. <laughs> so you know, for the the, the two star level, which is five bucks a month, you also get uh, any bonus content, bonus audio, bonus video. Three star Garmy generals they get access to our our live stream events and then the four star general levels i I do personal phone calls and i and i check in with them and they get swag and things like that so it's just i just gave people options of whatever level they want to be engaged in and um it's it it was scary initially because i mean you you guys know what it's like in the podcast world 
There's so much content out there for free. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah. That when you're Mm -hmm. asking people to cough up a couple bucks a month, I mean, and I always kid on the show, I say, you know, it's it's 15 cents a day for this. God damn it. This is worth 15 cents. What a good show for 15 cents because I'm doing a daily show. It's five uh-huh. shows a week. Yeah. Not a lot of podcasts are doing that. And I try to make I try to make all the different levels have some value to them because I understand it's hard to get people to reach into their pockets to pay for content on the Internet. I don't blame them. There's so much free stuff out right. there. They certainly don't have to. And the fact that they do makes me feel obligated to try to deliver a really special product and also give them special access to me and all the other stuff that I do. That's cool. And uh, See, your, your, awesome. your crowdcasts have uh, become a little bit of a legendary, right? Well, like, what's going down in those crowdcasts? I hear so much about them. What's going down? It's people funny. having it, sex or what? Lines, rails. To, uh, <laughs> just we do virtual blow. <laughs> Here's the thing. It started off as a monthly live stream event where I would go on with uh, Eddie Pence, who is sort of my uh, second chair here, and Steve Ashton, who is our uh, correspondent in the UK, and Carrie and everyone else who's involved with the show. We would go on once a month and we would do, you know, sort of an ask me anything and we would do updates and stuff and it was fun. But once the pandemic hit, I felt so bad that so many people were so alone and they were so disconnected that I said, for the time being, we're going to change the rules and I'm going to do one of these live stream events every weekend and we're all going to gather together and we're going to check in on each other and we're going to hang out and it's open to every level of the subscription base. You don't have to be a three-star general oh, cool. or a four-star general to participate. If, if you support us on any level, you're welcome to join in and we get together via Crowdcast and we get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds sometimes thousands of people show up just to be part of these virtual cocktail parties i call them and it's it's been such a big part of people's lives during the pandemic because for some people it's their only social interaction they get with other people all right. week long you know have you, you been able guys? to find a workaround for babylon since the pandemic or no no that has been a bit of a clusterfuck because that show was always created to be a live event we always did it at a comedy club in front of a live audience and so much of the show was about the interaction between kevin and myself and the live audience and so we did a 10th anniversary babylon show at a drive-in theater where everyone stayed in their cars and we were projected up on the screen instead of laughing people would honk their horns and stuff and everything and (laughs) it was very weird and very disconcerting on so many levels so kevin and i decided for the interim we're gonna we shifted uh, we did a little pivot and so he and i are watching the entire 60s batman tv show and doing a uh, a watch along commentary track for each episode where we make jokes and i and i drop in little trivia bits and everything so we're doing a hollywood babylon caped commentaries for the time being and nice. hopefully we'll get back to live performance again soon. People knew we were going to have you on, so we threw it out there. We threw the bat signal, actually the jank signal, up the uh, up <laughs> up in the air, and people called eight five five janky six nine. You mind if we play you a couple of these calls? Feel free. Let's do it. Here we go. Ring 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 ring. Yo, it's your boy Rambo. Hey, uh, this is Sir Ralph. I recall that he did like some Sub Zero freezing treatment thing a while back i think i don't know maybe five years ago or something like that and i'm wondering when he did that how small his pecker got (laughs) (laughs) i remember watching that video dude it seems super cold 
<laughs> when the world was still a thing and we were able to be out there, I did do some cryotherapy as uh, one adventure that we recorded for the show. Yeah. And I went in thinking, oh, this is going to be funny. And I was in just my underwear and like booties and they give you a, a mask to put on so your lungs don't freeze. I should have known that was a problem if that was a, a danger going into it. And I hopped in there and I was like, oh, this is fun. And I'm kind of moving around. And it it is <laughs> fucking brutal. <laughs> the, 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 the way your body feels when you're in hyper, hypothermia is... Uh, it it's it was terrifying, but yeah, oh. my my penis went inside my body. I had a vagina by the time I was done. Oh man! All right, we got the next next call. Hey, Robert from Colorado here, calling for Ralph Garman. Uh, I had a quick question. I wanted to know, kind of, uh, if we can get a little bit of background and if he had any fun stories to share about his time as one of. Uh, Adam Carolla's roommates early on at the old K-Roth days. Okay, that's part one of his question. Um, Adam and I lived together for a short time, a long time ago, and I think all the stories have pretty much been told. I mean, we used to have some great parties at that house. Adam was never that much of a party guy. He more kind of kept to himself. But me and Cortland, the other two roommates, would throw these lavish parties because the house was way out of our league. I lucked out because it was the owner of the bar that I was bartending at. He needed somebody to sort of watch slash rent his house. And so we got a great deal on this massive place that had a pool and a jacuzzi and everything. And we were living well beyond our means and we took full advantage of it. But um, those were those were great times. And I remember when Adam started working on the Kevin and Bean show because I was bartending. So I would roll in at two in the morning. And then I would hear fucking power tools being turned on in the living room because he was on the phone being Mr. Burcham doing a bit on the Kevin and Bean show at 6 a.m. And I have a pounding hangover headache. I remember specifically when he started to work with uh, the Kevin and Bean show. That's awesome. And then um, shortly thereafter, we all kind of went our our separate ways, but... uh, uh, if it hadn't been for Adam, Jimmy would never have come to see me at the Acme Comedy Theater, and we never would have met, and the whole thing wouldn't have happened. So, uh, happy another happy accident. All right, here's uh, part two of this call. And then also wanted to kind of know what their standing was now. I know obviously Ralph does a lot of work with Kevin Smith, and there's not a lot of love lost there between the two of them with uh, Kevin and Adam. And I kind of wanted to know how his standing was and his relationship was with his old roommate and if uh, ever there'd be any sort of collaboration between the two of them. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, Ralph, for all the free funny. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Um, Adam and I, when we, when we moved out of that house, that was pretty much the end of our friendship. I mean, we would see each other from time to time and stuff, but it kind of, it kind of went separate ways anyway. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, his weirdness with Kevin Smith, that was, that was got ugly and weird. And, uh, Kevin obviously is a real good friend of mine. And, you know, I was involved in the project that caused them to have this falling out. So I know what really happened. And, and Adam was sort of off base and the things he was accusing Kevin of. So that got no, weird. Man. And, um, yeah, and, and then Adam has become sort of like this right-wingy kind of Very guy. strange, yeah. And, 
Uh, I don't I don't recognize him as the guy I knew. And again, I knew him for a short time, a very long time ago. So I really don't have a friendship or a relationship with him now. But everything I do sort of run across with him just just seems very weird to me. It just I, I, I no no bad feelings. I just I don't really have any relationship with Adam anymore. All right. Uh, here's another call. He's a bat. He's a boy. Bat boy. Bat, 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 bat boy. Shot right on. I love some memories. I love Bat Boy. Didn't the, the, the guy who used to write the Bat Boy stories just die recently? Apparently he just did. Yeah, the guy who what? used to work for the yeah. the Weekly World News uh-huh. who wrote all the Bat Boy stuff. Oh, he, he apparently died. So Ralph, where poor did... little put a little out for our homie Bat Boy. <laughs> where I don't remember where did Char Broiled come from? That was just me being it's goofy. Just being goofy. Because, <laughs> yeah, I I was. I don't know. We were. I was doing something with Kevin and Bean. It's like you are burned. I burned you, Charbroil. It was so and funny. Then, <laughs> and then Charbroil just became a uh, running joke for a minute. Uh, okay, all right. I forgot we, about that. I got to start using that again. Yeah, that there you funny. go. All right. all right. Next call. Jackline. I called the Jackline. Actually, this is Janky Jim from Fresno. I guess everybody's doing a janky something. Anyway, my question is for the great and powerful. Ralph Garman. Ralph, how were you able to get onto all those game shows back in the day? Just kind of curious. I would, I would love to do something like that, just kind of do a game show circuit. But it seems like it's difficult these days. But how did you accomplish that? And uh, congratulations on your successes. Love y'all. Yeah, when I was a starving actor, I made a couple bucks here and there doing a ton of game shows, TV game shows. And I don't know how you get on them anymore because... Back in, back in the olden times, kids, <laughs> there was a thing called a newspaper. What? <laughs> yes. And there was a, a section called the classifieds, and huh. there they would have job opportunities listed. Huh. And they literally would post ads for, hey, want to be on television? Come play Scrabble. And they would give you the phone <laughs> number and... You would just call, make an appointment, and go down and basically sort of audition for these game shows. And there was a ton of them back in the day. So I did Scrabble and Match Game and Two for the Two for the Road was another one I did. And there's a bunch of <laughs> footage of me out there making an ass of myself for a couple bucks. But um, I don't know how people get on game shows anymore. I don't. I assume there's they're not listing them on, in newspapers any longer. But maybe if you go to the game show website or something, there's mm-hmm. a way you can you can put your name in or something i don't know and speaking it's not of my problem either mister get your own goddamn <laughs> game show appearances speaking of game shows ralph how i mean what was it like seeing your name as an answer for jeopardy right one of the great joys of my life and surprises yeah. of my life when that happened that was nuts. so you didn't know that you were an answer no no oh shit. I, actually I, I knew the day of, apparently, because they had to get permission or something from Spike TV because they, they said they're going to do a question about the Joe Schmo show. And so there had to be some communication between Spike TV and the producers of Jeopardy. And so when it was going to air, someone connected to the project found out and gave me a quick call and said, you watch Jeopardy tonight. And so I knew something was up, but I wasn't aware of what it was going to be. And the fact that my name was... One of the clues on Jeopardy was insane. 
by the way, Ralph, you should throw your name in the in the ring for for host because I don't think Ken Jennings is going to work out. I think you'd be great. Great idea, Muggs. I'm gonna I'm gonna sign up. I think they have a sign up sheet over there. Do at, it. Uh, at the Go Jeopardy to the game show website. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, And this guy, when we had uh, the great Kevin Ryder on, he called in and he asked the same question, and he has the same uh, question for you, Ralph. Hey, this question is for Ralph Garman. My roommate, David Orris, wants to know, how big is your dong? (laughs) (laughs) My dong is a good size. It's it's girthy. It may not be that long, but it's girthy. I may not. So hit you're the a grower, not a shower. Yeah. No, I, I show pretty good, but I'll I'll wreck the sides. I may not get too deep, but I will wreck the sides. But as everyone knows, it's really my balls. My balls are my crowning achievement. I have massive, low hanging balls that are quite impressive. So, oh, man. Uh, Ralph, can't have everything. You seem like a guy who always has something on the horizon. You have. Uh, are you doing any new voices on any new shows? Are you working on you know anything any, anything new? I know it's pandemic times, which is tough. But do you have anything you know uh, down the line? Yes, actually, I'm very excited that I am one of the voices in the new Masters of the Universe project that's coming out on Netflix. Whoa! Awesome. No that's way! Awesome. That's great. Yeah, love that man. Skeletor. Um, I can't. No, that's um, Mark Hamill is Skeletor. In the awesome! New, in, in, Shit! In, in the new in the new Masters of the Universe. Yeah, awesome. it's an amazing Orzo. cast. <laughs> now, Omar, you you say a random message. man. <laughs> I don't know if I can say or not. I know there's a lot of like secrecy about this project. I think everyone's now talking about who they're playing. So no I think one's I listening can. to this this podcast. That Ralph, that's true. true. That I'm not going to get in trouble. <laughs> I play Fisto. Awesome, <laughs> Fisto. How hilarious is that? Awesome. <laughs> oh my god, man. Love so I'm going back in actually to do some uh, recording next week, some uh, some more work on that, but I've seen a little bit of it and it looks amazing. So if anybody's an old school Masters of the Universe He-Man fan, you're going to love the new version on uh, on Netflix that's coming up. Awesome, dude. Well, thank you so much for even doing Wait this. Wait a minute, Omar. Oh, yes. Omar. Yes, much. I have three questions that I drafted okay, up. Okay, these are so not going to be worth I'll, it. I'll just three. Okay. They're going to be good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're right. going to be good. Okay. So uh, things never change. Okay. <laughs> Once again, I mean, here to suck, suck all the energy out of the interview. <laughs> yep, here we go. Speed bump. Here we go. Well, uh, we all know uh, Ralph is a Philly, bo- a Philly boy, uh, born and raised. And uh, yes. I have three questions relating to that, Ralph, for you. All right. Uh, I want to know what your top three movies in your Rolodex are that take place in Philadelphia. Rolodex. In my movie Rolodex? <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me flip through my movie Rolodex. <laughs> yes. You have one in your head, right? Oh, my God. Um, Top three well, Obviously, number one in my heart is Rocky. I mean, obviously, okay. when people think of Philadelphia, they think of that film. And when I was a kid and that movie came out, it was life-changing. I was, it was the perfect time for be a kid and, and for that movie to come out. So that's one. Cool. Obviously, Philadelphia is a, uh, a, a grim serious film but also remarkable performance by tom hanks so i love that a lot and then i'd have to say trading places with uh, dan Aykroyd and eddie murphy i think is probably my my third of of my film rolodex when it comes to (laughs) philadelphia awesome all right question number two question number two uh tons of cheesesteak restaurants in philly i've narrowed it down to two and i want you to pick yours gino's or jim's on south street jim's on south absolutely awesome that is my go-to uh shop and 
Whenever I'm back, I get a whiz wit at Jim's. Yep. I go down South Street, and then after I'm done, I'll usually go over to Rita's Water Ice, and I'll get myself a Water Ice, too, for dessert. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, I love you know, every time accent. I see that stupid Rita store, all I could hear is Ralph going, Water Ice. <laughs> yeah, I love Water Ice. Water Ice. Get cherry Water Ice. Just go and do it. <laughs> oh, I love it. And then finally, Ralph, finally, in my Philadelphia question, Rolodex, uh, Stop <laughs> saying Rolodex. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, here we go. Uh, uh, did Doug Peterson coach to win the Eagles' final 2020 season game? Fuck no. He was coaching, <laughs> he was coaching for that sixth draft pick instead of the ninth, and it, it, it made me want to vomit. <laughs> but you don't care, though, right? Because, like, you got the sixth pick. That's better than winning the game. I don't care for me. I cared for the guys who were on the field who had a yeah. chance to win, and those guys were true, playing, playing their hearts out, and they don't give a shit about the draft pick. They want to feel good about themselves on the day out there, and with Hertz in there, they had a chance, and then Peterson took that all away from them. I, I, could, tell, I could look in their eyes and see the, how disappointed they were, so I felt bad for the team. All right, now I, I have one question. It's from your Rolodex? <laughs> no, it's not from my Rolodex. Uh, uh, I, I just have one question, and it's, hello. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> That's Dave's. That was a little throwback. Callback. Yeah, yeah, that was a little yeah, throwback. Nice. Uh, no, uh, so I, I put out the question, uh, you know, people on, on uh, Instagram had, and the most asked question was, did you really hate the Wheel of Bad Animal Voices? <sighs> I got to ask this question a lot, too. Yeah. Here's the thing. I like to believe that when it came to doing the bits that I would make the best of a bad situation <laughs> I didn't necessarily hate the wheel of bad animal voices I hated how frequently they leaned on the on the wheel of bad animal voices <laughs> it seemed to become like whenever they were at a loss it's like oh a, a squirrel broke its leg Let, we'll just do that let's just, let's, <laughs> Let's just have Ralph play the squirrel with a broken leg. It just seemed like a, 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 a kind of a lazy, sloppy go-to whenever there was a gap in the schedule. It seemed like it was easy to throw the wheel of bad animal voices in there. So I well, didn't mind Ralph, doing it once in a while, but it seemed like I, it, it started to become pretty regular. I have, I have someone who wants to say hello to you, and that is... Right. Uh, <laughs> Real. Oh, Real. he landed on the squirrel with the broken legs. It's time. Oh man, that's funny. Uh, hi, that's fellas. Good. Hi, fellas. How you doing? Hi, squirrel. How's hey, your squirrel. leg doing? Oh, I gotta tell you, it, it hurts pretty bad. The hardest, the hardest part is finding those little tiny casks. We, we had to use one leg, of squirrel. We had to use one of beer mugs condoms. That's the only oh. thing small enough to to hold my leg together. How dare you, sir? Did you hurt it scrolling through his Rolodex? <laughs> yeah, I was walking along minding my own business, and I got my foot caught in his movie Rolodex. <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, Ralph, oh you are the best, man. We miss you so much. Thank you for doing this. Janks does. Miss if you, you guys too. If you yes, want man. any any uh, Ralph Garman in your life, visit patreon.com. Just search the Ralph Report as little as $3 a month. And on the social medias, you could find him at Ralph Garman. That's G-A-R-M-A-N, Ralph Garman. <laughs> and thank you so much, dude. We, we miss you a tremendous, tremendous yeah. deal. We're going to have to do this again soon. For sure. 
anytime, anywhere, whatever you guys just call me up, I'd be happy to jump on. This was a blast. I miss awesome. walking into that building every day and seeing you guys and all the laughs we used to share. And yeah. it was it was a great, great time in my life. And it's been a real joy hanging out with you guys. Likewise, Ralph. Grab a beer with you, dude. Uh, yeah, absolutely. When the world opens up again, we'll all get together and Omar and I can do some lines and then yeah, you, we can. you can have some cocktails. <laughs> and- Your host of Janky Town are Dave the King of Mexico, Johnny Beer Mug, and me, DJ Omar Khan. Thank you so much for listening. Janky Town is a janky production, recorded, engineered, produced by Omar Khan. If you would like your own podcast produced by Omar Khan, please feel free to contact him at djomarkhan at gmail.com. And if you ever need a DJ for a wedding, anniversary, birthday party, no matter what occasion, please visit djomarkhan.com for the best in high-end DJ services. Char-broiled!